So uh, a couple of years ago, I read this book that I thought was kind of fascinating. And the book's title is uh, God of the Waves. And it's a story about this guy who grew up religious, except he grew up in a very uh, fundamentalist sect of Christianity. Um, and he was highly involved, met his wife in church. They're both very religious. Um, he taught Sunday school, very involved. But the problem is that he's a science guy. He's a science nerd. And in the kind of this sect of Christian fundamentalists, uh, they don't believe uh, in science. Um, so really, they really weren't very accurate with the truth. Even like um, uh, it's this American denomination, uh, very fundamentalistic. And they said, well, actually the Catholics, they broke off from us, which is kind of funny because we're the first religion and their religion technically began in 1847. Um, so like he knew that they weren't really firm on facts, but they would always preach the Bible. But then he starts to realize they're not really preaching the Bible. They're preaching their interpretation of the Bible that is very anti-science. But you know, this is where all his friends are, his wife goes, this is where he grew up. Um, but more and more it began to grade on him, uh, just their anti-science view. So he doesn't really wanna go there anymore. And pretty soon his wife asks him and says, well, are you religious? And he says, no, I'm not, I'm atheist. And he starts this journey to atheism. And he's not just an atheist, he's an avid atheist. He's very serious about it. And he's kind of angry at this church. And he goes to San Diego uh, for a conference and he has spare time. So he goes to the beach and he's watching the waves on the beach. And he says, suddenly, as he's watching uh, the waves, he said, it just um, erupts in this bright light just consumed him. And he hears this voice calling him back. Um, so he has kind of this mystical experience. Except the problem is he is a very determined atheist. So he decides, well, I must have a brain tumor. And he actually has himself scanned to see if he has a brain tumor. Of course, he doesn't. So he does the next logical thing, and he thinks he must be having a psychotic break. So he goes and actually checks him into a psych ward. And so he's talking to the psychologist, and like they can't find anything wrong with him. He's not psychotic. So the psychologist says, well, maybe you're religious and you just don't want to admit it. <laughs> So um, anyhow, this sounds kind of strange. That starts his journey back that he does believe in God. He just doesn't believe in that God that is anti-science. And so now he's actually very religious. He's a scientist who is also very religious. And that's a gift he offers. And his point being, and this is the point of the book, is um, he talks a lot about wonder that wonder is necessary if you're truly going to thrive in the world, spiritually, scientifically, anything. And in 1979, there's this Nobel uh, Prize winner in science who gave this speech where he said, what's most needed in science is not memorized facts. It, Einstein says the same thing. It's not memorized fact, it's wonder at the world. 
If science thinks it has all just the knowledge and facts of everything, science can become oppressive. Well, I think the same thing with religion. Religion without wonder can also be incredibly oppressive. Even if you know not a lot of, I don't know, supposed knowledge of God, it doesn't mean you have any wonder. With wonder, science, religion, art, literature, life, it will lead you to the light of everything. So this guy who has this um, kind of, well, technically it's an epiphany at the beach, which I personally think San Diego is a great place for God to come through. Um, I am going to spend my vacation on a beach hoping for some sort of epiphany. Uh, sorry, that was a joke. But um, <laughs> the word epiphany, by the way, ep epi means like in Greek, like super or supreme. Epiphany is like the supreme manifestation that the light behind all reality suddenly comes shining through. That's what he had on the beach in San Diego. Um, it's the light that guides everything. Finally, you see it. And today's feast, Epiphany, is that the Magi, they have this epiphany. They follow the star and it leads them to the light behind all reality. But it's not something that happened 2,000 years ago. The Epiphany is really something that all of us want to happen. We want to be the Magi. If we're people of wonder, we're like the Magi. We're seekers. And uh, for the Magi, just to explain who the Magi were, the Magi were Zoroastrian priests, pagan priests. And they were uh, astrologers. So they were always measuring the star. And in Zoroastrian, they had a prophecy of this great king that would come and teach the world. And his birth would be noted by a star. So even though they're pagans, their sense of science leads them to Christ. And think about this. They go to Bethlehem. They talk to the priests and, the, uh, and Herod. And Herod, no offense, Herod and the priests, they're like these, this guy's fundamentalist sect. They know God, but they don't have any wonder. I mean, think about it. If you were a Jewish priest and you knew the King of Kings, the Christ, was being born over in Bethlehem, why didn't they get up and go? Why didn't Herod go? They have no sense of wonder. They're quite comfortable with the view of the world that they have. They really don't want to see the light. Um, they know the stars there, but they don't end up kneeling before the presence of God. Strangely enough, the pagans do. So you could know a lot of facts about God, but you have no wonder. So you really will never see the light of light. Um, like we want to be, our prayer on Epiphany is that we're people of wonder. And the star, the star really could be anything. For the Magi and for the guy he mentioned on uh, God of the Waves, their star was science. But the star could be anything. I've met a lot of Magi in my life. It could be literature. This one very famous person said um, when he was a kid, when he heard a story, it whetted his appetite to find God. Um, another guy who I just love, um, he died, saint, said his star was his wife. And through his wife, he discovered Christ. Your star could be anything. Um, so 
science, art, religion, marriage, anything that wakes you up to the wonder of the light that is behind all reality. So the light is not the star. The star leads to the light. The light is the infant in the manger. Um, it's what led this guy back to believing in religion. And so our prayer on Epiphany is, well, we're praying that we're the Magi. Um, and so the odd part is Epiphany, and I want to emphasize this, Epiphany has this shocker to it. And the shocker is um, Epiphany, Christ is the light that draws all people to himself. It goes out to the world. What I'm trying to say is that Epiphany proves that Christ is not the ownership of one denomination. Uh, true, authentic Christianity believes that the light shines on all people in all cultures. We just want to be the ones who are awake to see it. So in the Gospel of Matthew, there's this twist that, yeah, like the priests, they belong to the right religion, but they have no desire for the light. Um, and this real surprise is, is that um, at the manger, if you look in the manger, the wrong people show up to the birthday party of Christ. It's the outcast, the shepherd, Mary and Joseph, who are also outcasts. Um, and this week, the magi, pagans, make it to the manger. Now, this is pretty shocking. Even Luther, Luther, when he translated the Bible into um, German, found this very upsetting. He did not like the fact that pagans make it to the manger. So he translated as wise men and kings. Um, no, they're not wise men. They weren't kings. They were magi. They were pagans. Um, and the shocking part, he didn't like that. But have you ever thought that maybe some non-Christians might be better at recognizing Christ than some Christians? Um, that they have seen the light, even if they don't know the light's name is Christ, they, they've seen it. That's a shocker of epiphany. That, wow, maybe some non-religious people are magi. That they have seen the light of light because they believe in wonder. And so the magi, they end up offering their gifts. And so anybody who has seen the light, anybody who wanders and search for wonder and searches for the truth, they end up offering their gift. The guy that I mentioned uh, who wrote the book, um, God of the Waves, his gift that he offers is his great love of God and his love of science. And so the gifts that they offer, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, it both speaks about Christ and it speaks about them. So anytime you give a gift to somebody, the gift speaks something about the giver and the receiver. So I'll give you an example. Like I got three Christmas gifts. Um, Buttercup over there, she gave me a book on losing 20 pounds. Okay, okay. No, no, okay. I'm a little devoted to the donuts. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Deacon Chris gave me a book um, on how to win friends and influence people. Okay. And Luther, our altar server, gave me a year's supply of Rogaine. Because I, I get it. I get it. I, my hair is starting to thin. Um, but, you know, you add them all up. The gifts say something about 
the person they're given to. So I got it. Yeah, I got it. I'm fat, obnoxious, and bald. I got, I got what you're trying to tell me. But same things with the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It says something about them and Christ. The gold, in case you didn't know, is Christ's divinity, that he's a king. So the one who was offering it, the gold, um, what he was offering Christ was really his holiness, his dignity. And his dignity, that the gift that he offers, it actually speaks about Christ's dignity. The frankincense, that's what priests use to pray. Uh, it's incense. And so what he's offering Christ is his whole prayer life. And it's, that speaks about him, but it speaks about Christ because Christ is the high priest. So he should have uh, frankincense. Um, the myrrh, that's a really bizarre one. Uh, the myrrh is really um, for death. It'd be, that, that's a bizarre one. But what it speaks about is the guy who offered it. It's all his sacrifices that he's made in his life. And he offers it to Christ because Christ is going to die for us. So it's a weird gift. It's like offering a baby um, uh, embalming fluid. But yeah, because Christ is going to die for us. It's all the sacrifices. And so, like, um, like, I have to tell you this, going off. The song that I just loved as a little kid was, um, Do You Hear What I Hear? Do you guys know that song? Should I sing it? Um, so, on, do you, like, I think it, I just loved it. But it, it did really strike me as strange, even as kids. A child shivers in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold. I'm like... Cocoa! Give him a cup of hot cocoa. That's what he needs. But the point about it is, well, like, and seriously, I do love the line in the Bible where it says, how dare anybody show up in the presence of God without offering a gift? So the same way the guy offers his science as a gift to God, Christ speaks about Christ as the divine intelligence. You know... I have very few gifts, but I really am a good, hard worker. That's a gift I can offer Christ. Um, I have no idea what Deacon Chris's gift is, but um, <laughs> just joking. But how dare you call yourself a Christian if you're not offering gift? A lot of supposed Christians, it's Jesus, gimme, 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 gimme. Um, if you've really seen the light, if you're a person of wonder who's struck at the beauty and truth of life, you offer your gifts back. That makes us magi, both that we're struck by wonder and a search for truth, and whatever gifts we may have, each of them completely different, we place them before the presence of Christ. If you notice, the priests and Herod, it's gimme, 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 and then they call themselves religious. So on the Feast of Magi, sorry, on the Feast of Epiphany, we pray that there's a lot of Magi in the world. Some of them may not even be Christian, and yet they search for the light. The hope is, yes, they will make it to the presence of Christ. Our hope is that we too are Magi in the sense of we're searching for the light of life. Um, we're searching the light behind all reality, and we too will pour out whatever gifts God gave us and return them back to Christ. So, in the Feast of Magi, or Feast of Epiphany, 
Let us pray that we truly are not just no knowledge of God, that we have a wonder for God. Hello, this is Father Len McMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern supporting the podcast financially. Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comment section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel. May God bless you for your generosity.